digital is painful, technology is painful, but it's so easy to cast it as, oh my God, it's scary or it's bad. The reality is it's just progress. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Eloise, partner and Kearney. Good to meet you. Thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited about these conversations. There's a lot of very timely topics around AI and the progress and how it impacts procurement and just businesses in general. But before maybe we dig to any of those topics, can you give us a little bit of background? What do you do for Carney and just in general, your background coming here? Yes. So I'm a partner with Carney. I've been with the firm 23 years as of, well, in I've been here 23 years. And for those that don't know, Carney is a global management consulting firm. One of our core areas of expertise is procurement. And my area of focus is digital procurement. And I do that across all industries. I do it across the globe. In fact, it's the only thing that I do, digital procurement and supply chain more broadly. And I spend half my time doing strategy work for the big companies of the world. And then the other half of my job is spent researching, writing, and public speaking about the profession and how digital is changing it. I think the thing that immediately caught my eyes is you're already reading two books and you have one that is coming out, I think, this October. Tell me more about this. What was the last book about? What is the new book about? This is exciting. Yes. Well, apparently I have a lot to say, or maybe it's just the catharsis to do all the writing, but I actually enjoy it. I spend a lot of time talking to people. I have my finger on the pulse of our profession, at least I think so. And writing gives me a platform to reflect that back and to help us advance and mature. And I'm just one of many voices. I'm not the only voice. But I have found that long form writing and public speaking is something I enjoy. And so I contributed to a book it was titled Disruptive Procurement that came out in 2019. And then during the lockdown, you know, I travel most weeks. And so all of a sudden I stopped traveling and Let's just say I had a lot of extra angst and energy. So I channeled that into writing a book and a lot of other sort of things going on at that moment. But I channeled it into that book and that one released in the summer of 2021. And then as soon as I got to the end of that book, I'd finished the manuscript right about the end of 2020. And so it takes about six months to get the book into production. Right when I got to the end of the writing the manuscript, I realized, oh my gosh, I have all this other stuff I need to talk about and write about. And so I just put it on an outline and wrote it down and decided that after my current book, which is Trade Wars, Pandemics and Chaos, was published, that I would then work on my new book. And so I've been working almost for two years on this new book and it'll release in October, October 11th uh, specifically. Is the title a secret? It is a secret. In fact, it's a very well-kept secret. Only four people know about it right now. In fact, nobody at Carney knows about it. 
<laughs> That's how secret it is. <laughs> okay, so we'll hold our breath till then, but maybe we can then talk about trade wars, pandemics, and chaos. I think I think there's no one that is listening to this that can relate to this title, at least, you know. Let's maybe talk a little bit about that and how it connects to procurement, to business operations in general, and really what is the disruption of technology and what are the different things that they can bring help with, you know, with that type of transition in this last few years that we've all experienced? Yeah. So this very much gets to state of mind that I was in, in 2020. And a lot of my research actually really came about with the trade wars and when the US and China started going back and forth with economic salvos. And the impact on enterprises was really difficult, especially for procurement, because all of a sudden we had to know exactly any product is complicated. Its supply chain is distributed over vast networks. And all of a sudden overnight, you had to know where every component, every part, and every subassembly of every product was to see if it was going to be impacted by the tariffs. And so we had this crash effort to get the information we needed, which we didn't have. And that kind of set this going. And then the pandemic hits and guess what? We had the same problem. We didn't know where our suppliers were. We didn't even really have a good idea of all of our suppliers. And what I realized that we were not doing a great job of our one job. In procurement, our one job is to have very clear idea of who our suppliers are. That's our job. We can talk about the product master and the material master and the engineering specs, all of that. But at the end of the day, we're responsible. 90 plus percent of our job is with suppliers. And I just kept finding that everybody was struggling with this problem. And so my book is really, how do we do a digital transformation for procurements and really anchor it on getting the supplier correct? And I'll just make one other comment that ties to that is what I realized is the reason we're not getting our supplier records correct is we had been sold a bill of goods. We had been sold this idea that a single suite platform could solve that. And I realized that that is a fantasy and perhaps in some cases a fraud. And there's no way that a single sweet provider can deliver everything we need in a highly complicated, disruptive world in which we're talking about enterprise level operations. I tend to very strongly agree. You know, and I spent the last 10 years with a similar claim and how much that best of breed is the only way to stay competitive. Our company Tonkin is really meant to help orchestrating that. But you know, not getting too much into that world. I think taking a a half a step back and even just talking for a little bit of just the craziness of this, you know, I forgot about the trade wars that happens before the pandemic. You think about the supply chain issues, you immediately think about the pandemic with the massive demands all of a sudden and like blockades and all that stuff. And you you forget that there was even pre that. But, you know, maybe if we take a step forward as we're looking back, I'm very curious of what the new book is about, but just in general, you know, as a consult, as you work with companies around procurement and digitalizing that and really thinking about preparing for being able to adapt in a time where 
this is literally changing month over month. <laughs> Every month there's like something different, something else. At least from my point of view, where I stand as an entrepreneur, you see it all over the place. Things that were normal table stakes, you know, status quo are really being challenged, sometimes with political climate, sometimes with pandemic and the chaos of that. And nowadays with emerging technology around generative AI, it just completely blows away in a record speed. What is your like simplest suggestion or like how do you even go about thinking through those th- stuff with the customer? Yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to digital literacy and we have to become much more digitally literate and comfortable. Maybe it's one and the same, which is not to imply that we don't have any digital literacy. I just think we have to go faster and go farther and really understand digital in ways that we haven't had to ever before. And one of the things I look at in my new book is how leaders fail to understand this new technology, whether it's smartphones, whether it's go back to email, email, smartphones, cloud computing, and now generative AI, the leaders are the ones that hold this back. And whether it's fear or just organizational inertia, whatever it is, these are the problems that I look at and tackle. And I do it for the enterprise, but also with an eye towards society and understanding how all of this works. And and I try to get very specific about what is it we're talking about when we say that GPT or generative AI. It's easy to get wrapped up into the excitement of it to the eventually AI is going to turn on us, <laughs> enslave us. And so I break that down and sort of say, well, where do these conceptions come from? And they come from Hollywood. But if we're going to do procurement, what are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk about improving category management. We're going to talk about making faster the generation of our sourcing events, the getting faster at generating the insights from our contracts or from just whatever data we have. And that takes really thinking about what's the data we have and what's the data we need. And that's the question we have to ask. I'm less concerned about how good our chat GPT prompts are. Those will change. That'll get there. Maybe eventually we'll just think it and it'll happen. I don't know. But for the foreseeable future for procurement, it's much more, well, how is this changing how we do sourcing? And just sort of, I'll double click on that for a second. Like the question I consider is everybody's talking about, oh, well, chat GPT can just create my RFP, which is true. That's great. No problem. But then somebody on the other end, the supplier has to respond to that RFP. And are they using chat GPT to respond? And then what is the level of the data you're getting back and forth? Or what's the efficacy of that data? And that really starts to beg a question of, well, if we just have chat GPT for the buyer and the supplier, maybe we shouldn't actually be running RFPs. Maybe we should move to more marketplaces. These are sort of challenging questions. So it's less about, oh my God, I spend a week writing an RFP and now I can do it in an hour. Great. Well, that's good. But you know, that's a one-sided view on what is a two-part transaction or a multi-party transaction. We're getting too wrapped up in the excitement and we have to really stop and think, what is the business that we are in? And those of us in procurement are in the business 
of supply and demand dynamics. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. You hit the point that I don't think has been talked enough about, which is actually there were two points there that I picked up. Like one is where the fear might actually come from people fear from new technology. Like you said, whether it's mobile, whether it's internet, whether it's cloud, whether it's generative AI, the fear and the excitement are both coming from the same place, which is, wait, I don't have to do this anymore. Even in the last few years with the remote work and just like how better those tools became that we can record this podcast online, being on completely different places. A lot of those things are very, very exciting because they mean maybe I don't have to do this anymore or I can do this much faster. And they're also frightening for a lot of people in the sense of, if I don't need to do this anymore, what is my role? What is my part? And to your point, which I love, if we don't have to do this anymore, did we ever have to do it? <laughs> Was that ever question. something that we had to do? Maybe the fact that we can completely eliminate it with better technology, regardless of the utopian or dystopian concept of artificial general AI and the Terminator, the Hollywood version of it, just as the essence of if you can eliminate it to such a minimum degree of effort, was it ever something you need? And I, I like the comparison of going to the office because I think for a time, people actually started to think, myself included, do we even need to go to an office? You can do all the stuff you need without ever meeting anyone face-to-face. But I think with time, you realize that that's not fully true. There are things that are easier to do from home, but there's a lot of things that are much easier to do face-to-face and more than easy, they're better quality when they're face-to-face. So I think to your point with RFPs in the marketplace, my hope, and I'm curious kind of what you're seeing in the market and where you think it's going to go, but my hope is that that type of disruption would shake things up in the sense of like what would stay standing are the things that are really important, that we can leverage some of those things to basically question some of the inefficiencies in a way that gets us better in the other side, regardless of the immediate ROI of some of those tools, like more of the societal ROI. You know, do I really need to spend time on this? Or maybe I can spend time with my family instead. Maybe I should focus on those other things as I do my job, especially if the traditional way was just very, very heavy on frameworks that are, like you said, both sides are spending a lot of time just to fit into the framework. Versus talking about the essence of, you know, in your case, who is the supplier? Who am I working with? I agree with you. And we get to evaluate that. And certainly somebody that traveled almost every week before the pandemic, I still travel, but I probably travel half as much, but it has 10x the impact now because I'm not just showing up because there's this unstated expectation. I'm there for a purpose. I'm going and I'm going to maximize that. And I feel like the other people that I'm going to see maximize the time we're spending together. And it's a much better dynamic than just, all right, I'm going to go to wherever 
and just hang out for four or five days and hope something happens. I, for one, am very prescriptive now about when I go and what I do. And because much of what I can do is, like you said, using these tools, much more effective. And the other thing I realized during the pandemic, and this is probably not really generative AI, but we waste a lot of time in meetings. And the amount of meetings that I was in at the beginning of the pandemic versus the number I'm in now, I have developed a new muscle just over these last three years about what meetings I will take and won't take. And I've become much more discerning with my time. So while not a digital skill, but it certainly was a skill I refined because it, I remember early days of the lockdown, I was on like 16 calls a day and it was like, I was exhausted and I really wasn't doing any work. And so now I'm post pandemic and or whatever phase of the pandemic we're in, now that it back and traveling, like I'm much more guarded with my days and my time. I think that's another very, very good way to look at it. The point about you travel less then when you travel, you value the effort more. You know, when both sides has now more weight put in the balance sheet of like what it takes you to go and travel, then you put more weight for it. And I think maybe a way to look at it for people that are worried about AI taking their job is understanding that if a certain thing becomes a commodity, that is just easily automated with technology, again, like you said, whether it's AI or not, then the other stuff actually goes up in value. Because now when you actually do need a person to do them, there's a lot more attention to it. If I can just automatically reply RFPs with AI, and I also know that the RFPs was generated with AI, it's free for everyone. So it's completely lost its value. But then the meeting that comes at the end of the RFP, where you really kind of like trying to get to know each other and like go to the details, that becomes a lot more important now. Because that's almost like the first time each party put an actual effort into the relationship. I think that's fascinating, just how much basic concepts of how to conduct business, how to conduct yourself in society is changing so fast and we're kind of living through it. What do you think would be the biggest change, the most material change in the world of procurement or supply chain even in the next few years, if you had to put a bet? I'm going to pick up on one thing you said, and then I'll answer that question, because digital, like a lot of the things that AI or generative AI will do for us, say interpreting contracts or writing contracts or writing RFPs, there have been digital tools that have been doing that. They really weren't generative AI, and they really may not have been as advanced as they are as cooking, that might be a better way, as they are now. But a lot of these trends were well underway and contract management of the whole legal industry was already in crisis. So everything that generative AI is doing, the legal, the antecedents were already there for the last four, five, six, 10 years. So these trends would have gotten there. Now, maybe chat GPT and generative AI is making it go faster, but for sure, we didn't just wake up in 2023 and all of a sudden, all of our jobs are threatened. But I think I'm going to go back to what I said earlier around digital competency. We need to start asking ourselves, and you were getting to this too, why are we doing this? I talked to a client this morning that had 90 steps in a PO process. I'm like, please tell me it's not really like somebody's exaggerating that. And they said, no, no, it's technically 88. They counted them. I was on video. It was all I could do not to roll my eyes and just like, 
beat my head against the desk. Why do we have 88 in any process? I can go to Amazon and buy 50 things in less than three minutes in less than 10 clicks. And so it really begs the question, have we baked so much complexity into our processes and consequently our technology, hard coding these processes? Just like, what are we doing? And if we maybe take a step back and realize supplier X has a million washers or pens or computers, laptops, and we need a million of those. How do we get those for the best price at the right time with the right quality? Maybe we don't need 88 steps. Maybe we could just get a lot more efficient. And I, I know it's not going to ever be in the business environment, just like Amazon. But there's a huge difference between Amazon and 88 steps. By the way, just to process a PO, we haven't even gotten to how many steps in the process before you get to the PO. And I just feel like if we are not asking these questions, then we're going to get to the place eventually where procurement goes off a ledge, where somebody just realizes, you know what? I don't care. I'll spend an extra $5 per laptop and completely eviscerate or just cut the procurement department altogether. Because I think that's where it goes if we don't ahead of this, because either digital will do it or the business will not sustain it. It is at the end of the day, a balance of value. And if something is so inefficient, then it might degrade its own value. And when you don't have any other options, then you live with it. But some of those progress in technology, they might raise the bar, right? They might yes. set the bar higher into what the experience should be. I've actually been talking about it in the last few episodes about the experience of a process. And you mentioned Amazon as such an obvious comparison to how divided we are, people that work, you know, not knowledge workers, people that work in, in companies of comparing our personal consumer life experiences with work experiences. And somehow there's still so much behind. I think it's one of those things that history always show that everyone, including the department or the areas that is being disrupted, everyone comes out of it actually making more money having a better balance in life just because we leverage our time better, which I think goes back to your point you made earlier with the meetings. Yeah. I don't look at technology as doom and gloom. Uh, to your point, I don't look at chat GPT or generative AI as anything bad. To me, it's all just part of this trend to the future. And it doesn't mean it's not going to be painful at times. Digital is painful. Technology is painful. But it's so easy to cast it as, oh my God, it's scary or it's bad. The reality is it's just progress. It's exactly what it is. And progress is change and, and change is scary, but detrimental for us as a species. Otherwise we die. <laughs> so look at ESG. I mean, that's a perfect example. We have to change because the, uh, the world <laughs> that we're living in, it's not sustainable. So Digital, it's happening to us, but we have to do something on the ESG front because the world not sustainable <laughs> as it is. Yeah, exactly. And so I think embracing change and progress comes in multiple ways. Like you said, sometimes we need to lead it. 
maybe that's a good place to end. I'd like to ask, what is the best advice you've ever received in your career? Or in general, like what is a good advice that you like to pay forward? So the best piece of advice I've ever received was a long, long time ago. And my manager's name was Bob. He said, number one lesson, and really the only lesson is take care of your people as a manager. Because if you're going to ask people to do things for you, you had better respect them and really take care of them. And boy, that advice is so valuable throughout my career. And now more recently, I've read more studies that say that good managers are actually working for the employees under their purview. And it gets back to what now my friend Bob said all those years ago. So always take care of your employees and really be there for them. If you're going to ask them to do something, give them the right tools for the job. Some of these things we're talking about, don't make people do generative AI on the cheap or without the tools. Don't ask them to do that. So that's kind of my management piece of advice was given to me. The other one is personal, is that the one thing I have learned just through trial and error is that at the end of the day, you have to believe in yourself. There's been many times in my career where I was the only person believing in myself and I wasn't sure. And and certainly during the lockdown, as I was writing my book, it was a mental challenge, let's just say, with ego and fear and panic and self-deprecation. And ultimately, I just had to grit my teeth and just say, even if this book is not perfect, even if it's a flop, even if the tech vendors all come for me, I'm still going to write this because this is what's important to me. And so just sticking with your own belief in yourself. That's the thing I've learned by sheer brute force. I appreciate you sharing this. I could not agree more. And I hope that more managers invest in their people. And I hope that more people believe in themselves and invest in themselves. So I hope people follow your advice. It's going to be better for everyone. Well, thank you so, so much. If someone want to nerd about some of those things or just connect, is that Twitter, LinkedIn, where's the best place to find you? Follow me on LinkedIn. My door is always open. If you message me, I will reply. I may be slow. I get a lot of responses because my door is always open. But by and large, I talk to just about anybody and everybody. I I just love talking to people, (laughs) which is funny because I'm an introvert. But if you have questions, people can reach out to me there or you can find me on Carney as Carney's website. Great. Well, and everyone go check the book, Trade Wars, Pandemics and Chaos. Luis, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 